Okay, so you'll have gathered from what we've already talked about this morning. The theme is, for our all-age summer services, are on Jesus' statements, I am. And I've been asked to speak on his statement, I am the bread of life. So if you want to follow in your Bibles, it's um, John 6, verses 1 to 15 and 25 to 40. So to set the scene, we've just heard from um, Andrea reading this, that Jesus has performed this miracle of feeding a crowd of 5,000 plus, because it uh, wasn't just men, it was men and women, um, from a basket belonging to a little boy that contained five loaves and two fishes. And the first thing that struck me from this is do not despise small beginnings. Never think that you're just part of a crowd. God can use us as individuals any time he chooses. And the other thing is, as adults, we need to respect the gifts God has placed in the younger generation. We need to be alert to the gifts they've been given and encourage them along the way as they're being developed. We don't know anything more about that little boy or that boy, but how must he have felt seeing his picnic being used by Jesus to bless people? And then I thought, well, what have we got in our hands or our basket that we think is insignificant? God uses the seemingly insignificant because he is the God of miracles. It's our response to his ability that he can use. So it's as though the, the adults are completely missing what's just happened. They're seeing things from a physical angle, not spiritual. And are we any different? I think in these days we need to wake up and take the time to seek what the Lord is saying to us spiritually through the things we see and hear. At the start of the chapter, everything seems to be gathering pace fast and feels a little overwhelming, and one can't help feeling a tad sorry for the disciples as their faith is stretched. But of course, the title disciple translates from Greek to a learner. So they're seeing and witnessing things that increase their faith and belief that Jesus is who he says he is. They're not just following the crowd, they're following Jesus. And Jesus, of course, knows just how to test them, as we can see from verse 5. And Jesus said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Philip does what we all often do. He can't answer the question. But the good thing about being a follower of Jesus is that we're all at different stages in our faith, just as the disciples were. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, comes to the rescue with the basket of goodies. And the result was Jesus performing the miracle and there's enough food for the crowd. So Jesus has fed the 5,000 and now from verse 25 he now starts to teach on him being the bread of life. And the settings change to the other side of the lake and the crowd have followed Jesus again, but not for who Jesus is, or to witness another miracle, they wanted more to eat. 
Jesus, however, knows their hearts, cuts to the chase by declining their request for more food. So often we ask God for things behind a smokescreen that sounds good, but he knows our hearts and nothing is hidden from his gaze. Jesus goes on to teach about eternal life. And the crowds then ask, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus tells them, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's the wonderful thing about salvation. It's free from God. We simply need to respond to him and ask him to be involved in our lives. Everything else will follow as we allow him in. However, it's like, like the crowd, it's easy to follow Jesus when he gives us what we want, but we need to follow him to do what he wants. It's good to check our motives as Christians. There's nothing more fulfil fulfilling than giving back to Jesus. I don't know if, how many of you have seen the film um, Finding Nemo. One of the bits that makes me laugh is the seagulls fighting over food, saying, mine, mine, mine. And we can have that attitude spiritually. Do you know that one, Josh? Mine, mine. We can have that attitude spiritually without realising it, but we need to be saying, yours, yours, to Jesus. At the start of the chapter, John records that the Jewish Passover was near, and the crowd would have known that Passover was the time when God rescued his people from Egypt, where they'd been slaves for many years, and how he, God, had taken them through the desert, providing them with food called manna. This miracle of the feeding of the 5,000 is a signal that Jesus is God's provision for salvation. And, you know, there comes a time when we have to believe God for something, even when we don't see it. That's faith. But the crowd seemingly don't understand about faith and need concrete proof. So they ask for a miraculous sign from him and base this request on the fact that their forefathers were provided with manna in the desert. It's as though they expect Jesus to outdo Moses. They simply don't get it. It's a little like feeding on stale bread. We need fresh bread to feed on. And so did they, which is why Jesus goes on to say, I am the bread of life. And I've sort of split it. So the first little bit I want to talk about is I am. And we've got some Bibles and paper under Ben's chair. And if the younger lot can come out to the front. Thank you. I don't know if you just... Yeah, but you've got to fill it... Um, you've got to fill this in. Yeah, you can't just write it on your hand. You know, take a pencil. You've got Bibles. Share the Bibles and look up and see if you can fill these in. And if any of the grown-ups want to do it, I've got enough papers. So, the first thing about this statement, I am, needs to be clarified a little because when Jesus says, I am we need to remember the account in the Old Testament of when Moses was told by God that he was to lead the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. 
Moses asks God what name he should give to the Israelites when he tells them why he has come. And God simply says, tell them I am has sent you. The name I am translates in Hebrew to Yahweh or Jehovah and was held in great reverence. So Jesus is trying to communicate to the crowd following him that he is the almighty God, the great I am of the Old Testament. Then bread. Bread in the Bible is a symbol of spiritual life. So when Jesus says he's the bread of life, he is our diet for life. The disciples spent time in the presence of Jesus and were fed by him both physically and spiritually. The definition of the words feed is to make someone stronger by giving them large meals. They watched what Jesus did and as a result went out nourished on Jesus. And I then thought, well, what are we feeding on? We need to be aware of what we feed on. It can be the internet, television, wrong influences from other people. And the internet is a wonderful thing, as is television. But it's crucial to our spiritual well-being to spend time reading the word of God and being nourished in it. Jesus tells us that his words are spirit and they are life. So let's cut big slices of living bread from his word and chew over them, because as we chew over them, they go into our inner being and feed us. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray, give us today our daily bread. And it goes on to say, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. At the end of this service, we'll share in communion, and afterwards there's going to be a short time of stillness before the Lord as we allow him room to speak to us as individuals and as a church family. So then we've done I am the bread. Now we come to life. Do any of you remember Spock from Star Trek? Yeah? One of his favorite sayings was, it's life, Jim, but not as we know it. And it's only when we start looking to Jesus and feeding on him that we live real life. Until we turn to him, we're under a death sentence, on death row. He offers us eternal life, a life worth living. And we all know life is tough. We all go through difficult times when we feel we're drowning under the weight of circumstances, sometimes of our own doing and choices, other times simply because life is just hard. And we feel the water's rising around us and we begin to sink. Zach, do you have swimming lessons? Did anyone have swimming lessons? When you're in the pool, is there a lifeguard watching? Well, that's what Jesus is like. He's our lifeguard. He watches over us. And if we drown under the pressure of life, he comes and breathes fresh, life-giving breath into us. So each heading I've used, come back to Jesus. He is our life. He gave his life that we might have life. He is God 
our provider. He feeds us and makes us strong when we let him. He breathes his life, breath of life into us when we feel we have nothing left and we're sinking. I mentioned earlier that we're going to share communion with each other and Paul is going to lead it in a few minutes. And when we break bread together, it's showing we're in unity with each other. Are we? In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, we're told that we should examine ourselves before sharing in communion with one another. But that can open a can of worms of condemnation. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit room to show us anything in our hearts that grieves the Lord. So I'm going to close in prayer and then we're just going to sit for a few minutes in silence um, and let the Lord speak to us. Then we'll sing a song and then we will have communion. So... Father, we thank you for feeding us through your living word. You are the bread of life. You gave your life that we might have life. And this morning we want to give back to you. We're sinners in need of you. Please come by your Holy Spirit and in the quietness reveal to us any wrong attitudes in our hearts. And we know, Lord, that anything that we say sorry for is washed away. Thank you for saving us. Amen.